into verse number 25. This is a continuation of uh, the things for our concerning the youth, our young people. Some of them are very young, very small, but time will come that they will grow older and they will have their own family. But along the way right there is a big, big question of how are they going to survive in their youth and not falling into the trap of Satan. So it's very important that they will have this message today. Chapter 2 of the book of Genesis verses 18 to verse number 25. I will start reading verse number 18. You respond verse number 19. And responsive reading until we reach verse 25 where we read together. Right, verse number 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And now the that 
because that is what God wants in our relationship. So if two people stay morally pure before marriage, each person feels a greater degree of security. They will feel a greater degree of trust and respect because each one of them look after themselves before marriage. But again, when we begin to violate God's plan, immediately comes the guilt. It comes the fear. Guilt comes because premarital intimacy violates our God-given conscience. You cannot help it. It will just come into your mind. It will just come into your heart, the guilt. When we violate God's plan. And fear also comes because, basically because the male gets the privilege of sleeping together without the responsibility of commitment in marriage. And that caused the fear for the woman. Because she feels like, oh, he does this to me, he will do this again to, with another person, another woman. That's, that, that is natural. That, is, that will come to the woman. That is why this guilt and this fear will come because you violate that. If you violate God's plan for marriage. Now, Genesis chapter 2. This text that we read, we see here the principles that define God's idea of what marriage should be like. God has a plan for your marriage. And He knows you. He knows the person that you love. He knows the person that you are going to marry. And what will make it work to His honor and glory, He knows how. And He knows how while it is also will bestow you know, great results in your life. Results of happiness and success. And because that is exactly what God plans for you. The problem is that here, we live in a world which has different ideas from what God intends. And many people think that they know how to build a home better than God. So they follow that worldly way. They build their own homes apart from God's plan. And the results? Devastation. The results? Broken homes. Divorce, shattered relationships. Then followed with that, the casualties are children, juvenile delinquencies, and many others. It's all because we did not take care of this plan of God and we do our own plan. God is the designer of marriage. And God originated the home. So therefore, it is just but proper for us to seek counsel and advice from the one who is the originator of marriage. Amen. The one that, you know, uh, instituted the home. And it is God himself. So we need to see what God has to say about his design. Because he is the architect of marriage. He's, he has, he's got the blueprint trying to build a building like this. And you don't have a blueprint. I wonder if you can, you know, build the building without a blueprint. That made us wonder also, how can we build a home without God's blueprint, where He is the originator of the home? Amen. The first thing that we are going to look at this morning is, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, is the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage. There is a purpose to that. Young people may think of marriage you know, for their selfish desire to, you know, to, to satisfy themselves. But there is something beyond that. Because marriage is not just for you. Marriage is for God. It is His design for you so that at the end of your marriage, it will glorify the Lord. Amen. What's the purpose of marriage now? Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 down to verse number 22. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, 
That was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now you can see from here God's design. Right here you can find God's design, marriage, and that marriage that he designed is for a reason. Marriage is part of God's divine plan and has been from that beginning of the creation. It has been there since the first person upon this, you know, uh, was, was placed in the garden upon this world. The Lord placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he instituted that marriage. He started that marriage. And while God said there that, you know, uh, uh, he wants this couple to glorify him, but before that, he found that when he created Adam, there is something missing in him. As verse number um, 18 said, it is not good that the man should be alone. This is the very first thing that God said was not good. If you look back in chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and you will find that God repeatedly said that it was good. He said in verse number 4, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 4, it was good. And in Genesis chapter 10, he said again, it was good. In Genesis chapter 12, I mean, sorry, chapter 1, verse number 10, and chapter 1, verse number 12. Verse number 12, it was good. Verse number 18, it was good. And verse number 21, it was good. Verse number 25, it was very good. But when God looked at Adam in chapter 2, he looked at the man. Grumpy, you know, I think he's not grumpy. <laughs> when a man doesn't have a wife, he's grumpy. No, I don't think he's grumpy. But just lonely. Very lonely. And alone. God said, oh, it is not good. It is not good that man doesn't have someone beside him. There should be someone beside that man. To be, for man to be alone, it was not good. And it was very clear that Adam needed something. The first glance, God knew that Adam needed someone. And we found later in the text that he needed a wife. And there are two vital things marriage is designed to provide. Marriage providing the spouses, number one, companionship. And secondly, it provides completion. These two, it's a purpose God meant for marriage. Companionship and completion. God noticed Adam's loneliness. Therefore, God created Eve specifically to help meet Adam's needs. So God knew the needs of his creation. Man was created with, with a social appetite. We need someone on our side. You Maybe the young people, the, the young person, the young, uh, uh, young adult that's single, you do not need it at the moment. You do not know that you need it. But God knows that you need it. Amen. We need someone on our side. Proverbs 18, verse 22. Proverbs 18, verse 22. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. God's favor goes along with that when you find a wife. But it is very interesting to note that although Adam had a perfect 
communion, a perfect relationship, perfect fellowship with God before sin entered into the world. But something still was missing in his life. Something still was not there that God saw immediately. And God has designed Adam to need someone. God designed Adam to need someone. So therefore, all of us is designed by God to need each other. We need someone beside us. So marriage is part of God's plan for meeting that need of companionship. So not just the purpose of marriage is for companionship, but also the purpose of marriage is for completion. It is for completion. God noticed again Adam's incompleteness. In verse number 20, go back to um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help need for him. So Eve was Adam's completer. Again, this is no competition. Husband and wife should not, you know, be competitors. But each one should be a completer to each other. That is God's purpose. Remember that Eve was taken from his side. Eve was taken from Adam's side. Not beneath, not above, but on the side. Again, God has a purpose why it's from the side. Because that is what Adam wants. Someone to be on his side. Adam, or Eve, was Adam's counterpart. Eve was Adam's companion. And God caused a deep sleep to come over Adam. This is the first, um, you know, anesthesia that happened to man. It's like a trance. It's like, you know, uh, I, I had my surgery. I had my surgery um, early this year, in January the 7th. I was drunk there, you know. I was sitting on the on the on the uh, wheelchair with with this um, stick here, and they, but there's no electrodes, nothing. But the the nurse came to me and said, "Okay, I'll put this to you, and you will feel like you are high." Okay, well, that's fine. So she she injected me with that substance, and oh, I feel like very light and. Oh, I, I remember when I was, you know, young, I, 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 I drank alcohol and I feel like <laughs> I was high. And then she talked to me and she said, oh, uh, where would you be if you are not here? Are you, know, you know why you are here? Because, yes, yes, I have the surgery. Where would you be if you were not here? She said, I would be uh, maybe at home to wife. I want to tell my children what to do. <laughs> oh, this, this is, uh, what did you say, man? Oh, this is for the authoritarian. Yeah, can you manage to climb on that? Do you want me to climb on that uh, table? Okay, I, I will try. So I was really light and I feel like I was drunk. So, and, and okay, bend, I, I lean to that side, I lean to that side, and then I feel something in my back, and then that's the last thing I remember. And the next time I was sleeping, Six hours after, I don't know it's six hours after, but you know, I just realized it was around six hours. And then someone called my name, and he didn't wake up. Then I got up. And then everything, you know, like nothing happens. It was like a trance. It's like something that, you know, they, they did something, they opened my abdomen like that, so big and wide. I think maybe around 300 um, uh, millimeters. It's so you know, big um, opening and they remove uh, part of my cancer there. I'll tell you, uh, I think Adam was sleeping like that. He was sleeping and woke up and saw, wow, the most beautiful woman in the world. He was met with the most beautiful woman in the world because there was only one. <laughs> in all the world. <laughs> but I believe he was the most beautiful woman. She was beautiful. 
And no question about it because, you know, God, you know, she was the first woman ever. But you see, today is so sad. Husband and wife, they struggle who is going to lead the home. Who's going to be the leader? Who's going to be the head? Men and women are vying for leadership. They're vying for recognition, control. They are in competition. But God meant for marriage to be for companionship and completion. Amen. That is His purpose. Again, brothers and sisters, make sure that you understand this. When you enter into marriage, if you are in marriage already, you must know that the purpose of God for that is for companionship and completion. Competition is out of the way. It's not part of God's plan. So the purpose of marriage. Number two, number two, the proclamation of marriage. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. This time, verse number 23. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, God is telling us that there is this purpose of marriage and there is this proclamation of marriage and this proclamation of marriage is a proclamation of acceptance. Bones of my bones. Adam accepted Eve to be his own. Acceptance, my friend, is what begins a relationship. And the lack of acceptance ends relationship. The difference of the two. The relationship begins with acceptance. And the relationship ends with a lack of acceptance. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Christians, you have to understand that this very important, if not the most important foundation of marriage is acceptance. You cannot accept your spouse, that's the end of it. That's the end of your marriage. I think you've heard of the story of the person named Dave Reaper. I told this to our um, brothers who are about to get married. The story of Dave Reaper who was a soldier who fought a war in Vietnam. During their um, stay there in Vietnam, he accidentally got burned from the malfunction grenade. And the gunpowder spilled on his hand and on his face. And you know, if you are sweaty and there are liquid, you know, uh, fluid, liquid in your body and the gunpowder is so hot. So she, she, uh, he, he ran and got panicked and he, he found a pond of water and he jumped into that pond only to spread the flames to his entire body. He was taken to the U.S. back to his uh, place and, uh, in the, in the uh, hospital and treated there. But when he saw his face for the first time, he was horribly disfigured. His face is so ugly. And he wondered what would, he, what would his wife Nancy would say. And in that he worried because he looked different. It's good, you know, if, if you look different and, and, and your face is okay, but his face was disfigured. And there's no way that he can get back his, you know, uh, natural look because his face was permanently damaged. And in that room, in that hospital room, the, the bed next to him, 
was also a soldier who was a double amputee. He lost both of his legs in the war. Not knowing that losing his legs will also um, eventually the reason why he lost his wife. His wife came the first time, then came the second time, then the third time his wife came and returned the ring. And his wife said to him, I did not marry a cripple. I cannot be with you. I cannot stay with you. I have to go away. She left her husband crying, could not help. Because that's the decision of the wife. Now Dane was looking at that and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. If his wife will also leave him. Three days after his wife arrived, he woke up and his wife was there kneeling beside his bed and kissed him and said to him, Welcome home, Dave. And they would not believe that his wife still accepted him despite of you know what happened to his face. I'm telling you that woman, she was giving they the gift of every marriage needs on a regular basis. The gift of unconditional acceptance. Remember, the person that you married to may be beautiful and looking good and healthy and, and he or she got a lot of those good traits. That should not be the reason why you married the person. Every wife needs that acceptance. Every husband needs that acceptance. Instead of looking at the downside of things, be grateful of what you have. Thank God for your spouse. Thank God that God has given you someone to be on your side. Your spouse is God's gift to you. Again, this year we have a lot of weddings to do. A lot of people will enter into marriage, but Again, do not enter into marriage if you are just basing it on what you see in the person. Because that is not going to be there for long. That, that beauty, as I said in our Sunday school, man is like a grass. And the glory of man, the flower of grass, the beauty of man, the success of man, the you know the the, the look of man, is the beauty, the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and that beauty will fall away. That is why you are not going to base your decision in marriage because of what uh, beauty you have um, seen in your spouse. But again. All of us, husbands, we all to thank the Lord for our wives. Lord, thank you for my spouse. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. And the wife should also thank the Lord. Lord, thank you for my husband. Just say to the Lord, Lord, thank you. And you know what? Things will change. There was this lady. When she married... Her husband, she wrote 10 things that she will forgive whatever, you know, uh, she will forgive her husband of 10 sins that her husband will do. And they were married for more than 60 years. And she was asked, what were the mistakes of your husband that you have forgiven and she named some and she was asked 
So how many times your your husband sinned against you? And she said, only few, but she did not say how many because she put a limit of ten. But again, she, she did not count some, some of them. So that means her husband did not reach ten. Because she purposely did not count some. I'll tell you, my friend, if you will just look at the wrong things your spouse have done, that's the end of your marriage. Because there are many. But if you look at the, the, the things that are um, a blessing to you, there are so many things that your wife become a blessing to you, then you will stay, you will hold on to that marriage. All of us should give our spouse the gift of acceptance. Accept your spouse and ask the Lord to increase your love for your spouse. Lord, increase my love for my wife. Lord, increase my love for my husband. If you do that, I will tell you, you will be strengthened in your marriage. It is a proclamation of acceptance. Bones of my bones, Adam said. And also, it is not just a proclamation of acceptance, it is also a proclamation of honor. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, this is now in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker reason, and as, a, as being ears together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Honor should come from both the husband and the wife. The wife being the weaker vessel, it doesn't mean that man or the husband is stronger. It's just that the wife is weaker, that means the husband is weak. We husbands, we are not strong. Our, our wife, my wife is weaker than me, but I'm not strong. Your wife is weaker than you. And again, it doesn't make you strong. But here you can see that honor is based on an appreciation for what God did in bringing you and your wife together as the people in the marriage. You are the couple in the marriage. Your spouse is God's gift to you. Honor what God has given you. Lord, thank you for the wife that you have given me. It is a proclamation of marriage. And also, we see here in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 34. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 34. We will find here the priorities of marriage. The priorities of marriage. Verse 34, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. There, there are priorities to this marriage. The first priority is living. Living. At the very first wedding, Adam said, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. And again, this is a very surprising statement because Adam was the most, the happiest person in the world. Why? Because he has no mother-in-law. <laughs> don't tell, don't tell my <laughs> But it was Adam here. This is surprising because he's got no parents, no parents in law. But he spoke this word. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his father. But again, I believe he was expressing this principle that would be applied to all the marriages that would come. For your marriage and for my marriage, this pattern that 
what Adam, our forefather, said. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. In other words, there must be separation when you, when you enter into marriage, there must be separation for your marriage to succeed. You cannot succeed in your marriage if you stay in your parents' home. There must be a breakup from the past. A breakup. There must be severance. You know, separation. Leaving behind old relationship. Leaving behind those old emotional attachments. Stay away from those old, maybe, crashes. Stay away from those. Many marriages are destroyed because one spouse still has unresolved feelings for someone else. He was forced into marriage or she was forced into marriage even though she has, the person still has attachment to the previous or the other person in her or his life. You see, marriage, in the marriage vow, we say these words, forsaking all others and holding only unto him or her for richer or for poorer for better or for worse till death do us part and again that kind of vow needs to be the way in marriage there should be a promise there there should be a covenant there there should be you know a strong wording there that we are not going to leave each other. We will cleave to each other. But while you, 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 you vow to be together with your spouse, you are going to leave your family. You are going to separate from your home, separate from your parents. There must be leaving in order for your marriage to succeed. Separate from your parents. But be grateful for, uh, with your parents. Be grateful to them. Thankful to them. Pray for them. And, and again, give them honor. Thank your mom, uh, mother, your father, and say, Mom, I thank the Lord for you. You thank the Lord for your dad, thank the Lord for your parents, and give them honor for raising you. So separate from your parents, but be careful not to create a breach in the relationship with your parents. Leaving. But after leaving, what comes next is the word cleaving. That's what the Bible says. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Cleave unto his wife. I, I, said, I said already uh, to my, my purpose, my, my um, understanding of this. I want my children... They are not going to leave my home until they will be taken away by their spouse to create their own home. But as long as, you know, they have no spouse, then they will stay under my home. They are not going away because they are already 18 years old. They are not going away because they are already 21 years old. You can only leave under my roof if there will be another roof that will be your own. So whether it is it is um, you know your girl or your boy, it doesn't matter. My my son, my God's grace, he will only leave my house when he will create his own house, his own home. My children also, my my daughters. They will not go away and find their own life there somewhere. There must be their, their spouse will come and take them away. So that is what God wants and that is what God's designed. They will only leave the home if they can cleave to their spouse. They are not going to leave the home and then wait somewhere else whom to cleave. That is not God's plan. God's plan is when you leave the home, 
clean to your spouse. Do not leave until you can clean. You see, cleaving here, cleaving is God's design. Adam said, leaving your home and cleaving unto your spouse. And many people who experience a divorce have reasons why there was a divorce. Of course, there are a lot of reasons. And in fact, every, every married couple, if we look at those bad things in our, in our marriages, we have good reasons to leave each other. We have good reasons to, to divorce. There are always good reasons to do divorce. But we need to realize that God intended the marriage to stay together. It is not God's purpose that marriage come and then separate. later on will separate themselves. Where is that in the Bible? Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse number 7. Mark chapter 10, verse number 7. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. Verse number 9 is my text. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Not the governor can separate you from that marriage. Not the government can separate you from that marriage. Not the mayor, not the priest, not the pope, not the pastor can separate you. Not the judge in this world can separate you from that marriage. Why? Because God joined you together. Not let no man put asunder. What does it mean? Not even you as a husband. Not even you as a wife. Not one person can separate the couple. Not even those people involved in that marriage. Let no man, that's everyone, can separate that marriage. That is how, you know, God intended marriage. If you think that you will have marriage, and then you know maybe you'll only last for two years, don't, don't get into marriage. Don't get into marriage because you are mocking God of His design. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31. Ephesians 5.31 For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they shall be they, they, they too shall be one flesh. Permanence. Permanence of cleaving. One flesh. Mark chapter 19 verse number 6 Wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God had put together, let no man put asunder. This is pronounced in marriage. When I pronounce the, the, the couple, I present to you uh, this couple. What therefore God had joined together, let no man put asunder. We said, forsaking all others, for better or for worse. Oh, Pastor, you just don't, you just don't know what it is. You just don't know what he said. I do not have to know what he did. I do not have to know what, she, uh, what he said. Oh, Pastor, it is the worst person I've ever met. That is what we married to. For better or for worse. He is included in that. Being worse is included in that. If, if you are beaten up by your, by your spouse, Ah, that is worse. That is what you're married to. For better or for worse. That's why marriage is a serious thing. Now, it involves leaving. Leaving from your old relationship. Forget your old crush. Forget that. Never, you know, imagine those um, persons that you, 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 you are attached to. Before. Forget those people because you are now married to someone. And that marriage is for life. 
leaving. Then after that, cleaving. Then after that, weaving. There must be leaving so that you can, there, so that there will be cleaving. But there must be leaving, there's no, there must be cleaving in order for you to have that weaving. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Marriage is two people becoming one flesh. Two people becoming one flesh. This is definitely not suitable for male and a male pairing. This is not suitable for a female and a female partnership. This weaving relationship is only for the male and female. This weaving relationship is very important. Verse number 27, Genesis 1 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. And there's the word male and female. Yep. Created he them. This is God's blueprint. The government may change that, but it doesn't change the mind of God. In that. Yep. Male and female. And that is God's design. If you make your own design, I'll tell you already, that will fall. Yep. It will falter and devastation and divorce and, and heartaches and pains and sorrow will come your way because you are making marriage and pattern it to someone else's pattern. Not the one who originated it. That is God's design. Yet many couples start out on a wrong foot when they entered marriage. When they entered marriage, what they do? First, they keep separate bank accounts. That is not one flesh. They plan to go on separate holidays. They they maintain their personal space. They are not following God's design of marriage. They are not following God's blueprint. Exactly what they are entering into. They are entering into more of a business partnership than a lifetime relationship. And they are in their married life, they are more like of a roommate roommates than husband and wife. And again, that is not God's plan for marriage. God's plan for marriage is for both spouses to be deeply intimate on every level. There is no secret. The man knows his wife. Everything about her. The wife knows her husband and everything about him. That is why in weaving there is the there is this weaving spiritually. In order for our marriage to grow, for our spiritual growth, it is strongly advised to read the Bible together as husband and wife and build each other's relationship with God. Strong spiritual foundation will aim to give success of your marriage. Weaving and weaving spiritually. And also weaving and weaving emotionally. Go to Proverbs 19, verse number 14. Proverbs 19, verse 14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Here, we cannot be a kind of relationship that God wants us unless we spend time together. Take your wife, you know, talk to your wife and see if your wife has a problem, you must know it. If your husband has a problem, you must know it. You must be there to support your spouse. That is God's, you know, place for you. Because you are there not just for the happy days. You are there for better or for worse. 
When time comes that your husband face is facing the worst of his life, you must be there to face that also together with him. When the wife is facing the worst of, of her life, the husband should be there also to help along. Because that is what we are, you know, bowing in the covenant of marriage. Make an investment of time in your in your in your um, marriage. Help that intimacy to be developed. Do not leave your wife away. You know, separate yourself. <clears throat> when I arrived in New Zealand, I met a friend, a very good friend of mine. We were just visitors here. And I asked, you know, for help because I need work. I need work. I will work whatever work. Uh, you, you want me to, to, to dig mud or, or toilet? Yeah, I, let me just work because I arrived here. I need work. And my wife was seven months pregnant. I need work. And I could not find work. And my friend advised me, send your family, I know you, uh, you leave your family here, you leave your wife here, she can stay with me, go back to Philippines, take your children there, and then come back here after two or three years. I said, no. It's a big no. Amen. I don't allow it. We left Philippines to Australia together. We stayed there in Australia for one year together. We came to New Zealand together. And now you advise me to leave my wife here and then I will wait for my wife to give me signal to come. No, that is not the one that I want to hear. I cannot leave my wife like that. Whatever we are going to face here, we will face it together. That is cleaving to your wife, to your spouse. Whatever happens, I will not um, separate myself from my, from my family by the grace of God. You see, God's plan for physical aspect of marriage will come next. When you have built that spiritual weaving, when you have built that emotional weaving, then comes the physical weaving. Because that is God's plan for physical aspect also of marriage. But this physical aspect of marriage has been distorted by the devil. We live in a sex-crazed sex culture. Pardon for the, for the term, but I cannot help but to say that. But this is actually the culture that we are living in. But God planned physical intimacy to be wholesome. The physical intimacy in marriage should be a unifying force within marriage relationship. But our culture focused now on lust. The focus on lust in our world is destroying the relationship as now people selfishly seek to satisfy their physical desires outside God's plan. Man will look at the woman for, you know, <coughs> object for sex. And that is very wrong. If that person is looking at that aspect only, I advise to stay away from that person. Stay away. We need to realize that the same God who designed marriage is also the same God that designed the physical intimacy. Let it come. Let it come. But not that that is the primary consideration for marriage. Now in conclusion, let's take a look at the first, uh, the, the first chapter or first book of Corinthians, chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1 to 3. The Bible says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man 
not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. Now, what is this word due benevolence? Due benevolence is, you know, for a man to render an act of kindness. Be kind, you know, to, to your spouse. If you feel like your wife doesn't deserve your love, then love her in, on, on purpose. Even though she doesn't deserve, in your own opinion, she doesn't deserve your love, but love her anyway. And the act of loving her, even though you think that she is not deserving, that is due benevolence. And likewise also, the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. In marriage, this is very crucial. In marriage, the wife has no authority over her own body, but the husband. So therefore, the wife has no freedom to consent other men to touch her body. Because her body belongs to her husband. And she doesn't have the authority over her own body when she is married. And the same is true with the husband. The moment that he married his wife, he relinquished authority of his body to his wife. The husband has no freedom to consent any woman to touch his body but his wife. This is exactly what God wants in marriage. This, there is exclusivity and permanence. You must have that. Each one, each party of marriage should have that. Because that is what God says. Marriage is designed by God to draw us closer to each other and closer to God together. That is what He designed marriage about. If you follow His plan, your marriage will succeed. Not just in your you know, a self-satisfying you know, quest, but also in fulfilling the purposes that God had in mind when he brought Adam and Eve together in the Garden of Eden. God wants to fulfill his design in your marriage. God wants to fulfill his design in your own life. And in the end, you will be successful, you will be happy and at the same time you give glory to our God Amen. that created us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you Lord for letting us see this perspective of marriage coming from your point of view. And Lord, this is your word, this is your design, this is your um, blueprint of marriage. And this is the only way that perfect structure of marriage can be built, or otherwise it will fall flat if we are not following your design. Lord, I pray that for all of us that are married today, that Lord, we will see this, that there is beauty in marriage. There is beauty uh, in the relationship that you have placed us into. And there is also hope for our young people that they will get into this stage in their lives where they marry someone, and Lord, they will know what they are looking for. And this is not just for their self-satisfaction, but eventually, and most importantly, to give glory to your name. Father, bless our people. And Lord, if we are here and we are married and, and, and we mess up that relationship and we we are, we are uh, trading on a wrong path in the marriage that these people have been. I pray, O oh God, that this will awaken all of us. And that we will seek that thing, Lord, that can please you. And we will rectify the wrong. Give, Lord, everyone a chance. Give everyone a chance to succeed in their married life. 
and bless, Lord, your people. And help, Lord, those who are struggling. Those, Lord, who are suffering because of their relationship. I pray that you will be there, Lord, to help them, to set things right, and give them another chance so that they will also have successful marriage in their life. Once again, Lord, I commit to you, God, these people, especially our young people, please, Lord, be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's all start, and let's uh, sing that final hymn.